I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, August 8th, 2021, and this is episode 132 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. This week's best thing. I took a week-long vacation with my mother and my brother, and we drove from Maryland to Charleston, South Carolina, and we spent a, a very rainy week there. It rained every day, but the sun did come out every day, or it stopped raining every day. It was, you know, not raining all day every day, so we still had a good time, and we had good food. We took a tour. We saw an improv show. Um, I, we have cousins in Charlotte that we stopped on the way and saw them, and they had, go to Charleston a lot, so they recommended some things to do. And a good time was had by all. It was a very interesting trip. But um, yeah, I was glad to get away, uh, see my brother who came in from LA and hang out with my mom. I did manage to work every day because I knew that I needed to. Uh, I'm currently on deadline for the revision of the fantasy heist novel, The Monsters We Defy. And so I'm still in that brainstorming stage of but I'm making progress. You know, the brainstorming stage is trying to figure out how to address the editorial feedback. And the end goal is to have an outline slash synopsis that I can work from to modify some existing scenes and add new scenes, basically just make the changes that I need to make to address the feedback. So last week we were talking about spreadsheets. I did finish my character spreadsheet. So there's five main protagonists uh, in the heist group. Then there's a number of antagonists. And I had to figure out their external goals and their internal goals. I didn't really do the internal for most of the um, antagonists, just the main one, because they're not really having internal change arcs. I don't even know if they're flat arcs. They're not changing in any way. They're just trying to reach their external goal and either succeeding or being thwarted by it. But I did need to know much more about all of the main characters. I started looking at each action. So I kind of broke down all of the main actions of the plot. I listed them out. And one of the pieces of feedback I got was to make things harder. Sometimes things are a little easy for them. Um, a little, you know, more twists and turns. And so I looked at each, like how they get information, how they like all of the things they have to do to solve the story question and looking for opportunities to make them harder, to make them twistier, to make them a little bit difficult, a little bit more difficult. I don't know if you can hear, but my dog Shelby is right outside the door chewing on a bone. I kicked her out of my office because she was doing it loudly in here. Now she's doing it loudly right outside the door. And I'm pretty sure that's getting picked up, but she was so happy and calm and Shelby is not a happy, well, she's a happy dog. She's not a calm dog. So there's only so much I can do to make her quiet at this point. <laughs> so please forgive me. I apologize for the noise. So yeah, looking through all of the actions, just breaking everything apart and putting it back together again. That is sort of the the name of the game right now. And yeah, it's it takes some time. You know, I'm, I'm learning more about the characters. Like I knew enough to write a whole book about them, but I have to delve even deeper. And there were still questions that I didn't have answered. There's still things I didn't know. So figuring those things out, making those decisions, it, it involves a lot of brainstorming. Like I'll do a list of 10 
try to do a minimum of 10, you know, brainstorm possibilities for any question. So, okay, what's another way they could do this thing? Well, let me list 10 other ways it could happen. And hopefully one of them will be the thing, or maybe one of them will lead me to the thing. I've also been doing more research, uh, reading through all of my old notes, looking at the sources that I cited. So whether it's a, an article, a blog post, some, you know, a link of some kind. When I got home again from my trip, I could look at some of my books that I have. And um, yeah, so some of the questions I'm trying to answer through more research to find logical ways that could happen in that time period. Or, you know, the research has sparked so much of the story in general that, you know, reading a little bit more. I bought another book. I'm like, when am I going to read this book? I don't know. But I found a book that I was like, oh, that could give me some interesting things. So I bought it. It should be here tomorrow. There's no ebook available, which was a bummer. But a lot of these, you know, types of books uh, are just paper only. They've never been turned into ebooks or audiobooks. So it's kind of just a combination of things as I try to put this puzzle piece together. Put this puzzle together. <laughs> Assemble pieces, create new pieces, think of new pieces. I've made new index cards. I had some really great breakthroughs, though. I was texting my friends, my mastermind partners, about this idea that I have. Um, and they were like, oh, that's cool, yeah. Because I, I, there was a, a question, a thing I left out like it was, I bring it up in the book, but you never find the answer to it. And my editor was like, you have to know. And I'm like, I can't get away with that. And she's like, no. I was like, Arr. but I didn't know the answer. You know, I was like, it's a mystery. And it's going to stay a mystery because I didn't, I hadn't figured it out. So I did my brainstorming and I, I figured out a really cool thing that had never crossed my, my mind before. Because I had another answer to this question in my mind. And I didn't like it. And that's why I didn't put it in the book. And I was like, it'll just, you know, we'll just leave it out and we'll see if anyone catches me on it. I got caught on it. So, but the, the solution that I found was so much better than the thing I knew was not the right thing. So sometimes it's just time. You know, one of the things I learned in the Becca Syme course, the right, better, faster class, where you take all those personality tests and they, she kind of synthesizes the information for your personality, things that are going to help you in your writing. And for me, because of my strengths and my personality, time is a thing I need. I need to just think about it. You know, some of my strengths are intellection, deliberative, learner, input. And so I need to input lots of things, which is why I do more research. And then I need to think about them for a while. And I just need time, which is always hard when you're on a deadline. So I've been trying to take, make sure I'm doing, a, you know, an hour or two of work, even when I'm on a quote unquote vacation, so that my mind has the rest of the day to churn in my subconscious. And then when I come back to it the next day, something will spark. And that is, that's part of the important part of the process that, that really seems to help and work. So yeah, that is my writing update. Um, I, I make as many decisions as I can upfront and then sort of encounter the decision fatigue. And then once I've kind of made a bunch of decisions, then go about my day and, and while, um, like before I end, I try to think of the next thing I have to make decisions on. So it's there so that I, my subconscious has a chance to be working on it behind the scenes so that when I come to the desk the next day, uh, I can hopefully have another spark of inspiration. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Of course, it's happening, uh, not as fast as I would like, but I can't really control that. 
Like I could, I could make all the decisions right now, but they would be wrong. Some of them would be, would be wrong. And I have to wait until they feel right. Um, so yeah, not stressed yet, but I guess that's the end of the sentence. Not stressed yet. And also, Requiem of Silence comes out next week. I have a book releasing in a week, and it's a whirlwind. It's the fourth book. Um, there's not going to be a lot going on. There's supposed to be some events, but I don't even know if they're finalized. My publicist was emailing me. I'm just not, I'm trying not to stress about it. Uh, I'm not really stressed about it, actually. Like, there's nothing I can do. And I got my royalty reports, um, which, so, of the people that read Song of Blood and Stone, or, or of the copies that were sold, I should say, I can't say who read it, <laughs> the percentage of copies sold for Whispers of Shadow and Flame is only 30%. So you know that everyone who reads book two, book one, is not going to read book two. But that's a, that's a big drop, you know, that's, it's a disappointing number. And of those people, 55% go on to read Cry of Metal and Bone, book three. So the number of people that will actually read book four, when I think it is actually the best book of the series, um, is probably going to be pretty low. And I know that it will be out for a long time and there are, you know, many years, decades, hopefully, maybe, in which people can read. And some people don't read any series until it's complete to avoid a George R. R. Martin situation. I'm one of those people. Like, I don't like to wait. I have a very, a very bad memory. and I don't have time to reread books over and over again, so I can understand that. And maybe there'll be somewhat of a bump when all four books come out. But, you know, I mean, that's how it goes. Uh, it's disappointing, definitely. Especially when I, I do love the fourth book. I mean, I think every book is better than the book before. Whispers is definitely a better book than Song. Um, Cry. I, I love Cry. <laughs> and I love Requiem. I love them all, but I, I push myself further each time. And I think I got a little bit better each time. And I think the story coalesces better and better, you know. Um, but usually you're hoping for like 60%, 50 to 60% of people who read book one go on to book two. So the fact that right now we're at 30% is like, uh, but I also know there's many reasons for that that are completely out of my control. Like all of the reasons for that, in my opinion. Like if I thought that I wrote a worse book, like book two was worse than book one, um, that would be a different story. But I know that book two is better. And I've, I've heard that from many people too. Um, so yeah, I, my dad used to always say, don't worry about what you can't control. And I do try to live my life like that. And I can't control book sales, no matter how good of a book I write, no matter how many accolades it gets. If people don't read it, then, you know, I know I have learned to separate that from my own success or failure. Like, did I fail because 30% of people, only 30% continue? And I don't want to like, disregard those people. I mean, every single person who reads the book, I'm incredibly grateful. And um, I, I do my best each time, you know. So yeah, these things that are, that are out of my control, that I, I can never control. Um, it's But it's still, you know, it's still disappointing. I was offline most of the week because of being out of town. But I did catch the debacle with the Vivian Awards for RWA. And if you have missed this, um, 
Romance Writers of America has an award every year. It used to be called the Rita. They retired the Rita because of many problems with it. And this is the inaugural year of the Vivian Award. And they have lots of categories like, you know, best contemporary romance, paranormal romance. And one of them is inspirational romance. It's technically called uh, romance with religious or spiritual elements. It used to be Christian. And then they changed the name to incorporate, you know, be more inclusive of other faith systems. So the book that won this year was called At Love's Command by Karen Whitmire. Not sure if that's how you say it. And I happened to be on Twitter because I'm supposed to be promoting this book that's coming out next week. And I was trying to, to do a post and then I saw some stuff because I hadn't watched the Rita's, I mean, the Vivian's. And I don't usually watch the awards or care about them that much. So it's not unusual. But then I saw people talking about it and I went and looked it up. It wasn't very difficult to find because it was top of mind for many people. And um, so this book that one apparently has the hero of the book, it's, an, it's a historical in the 1800s, and the hero of the book participated in the Wounded Knee Massacre uh, of the Native Americans. And so apparently it's some kind of redemption story, like after he participates in this massacre, he feels bad about it, I guess, as one hopefully would, and uh, becomes a mercenary, but like an A-team kind of mercenary to help people and then falls in love with the doctor. And obviously I haven't read this book. And so I don't, because I haven't read it, I'm not going to, I can't criticize it on, on its merits. I can't say whether or not this redemption of this character worked or not. Other people have read it. Other people have tried to read and fail it tried to read it and failed um, for various reasons. But the very premise is the problem that most people have with it, and the premise of this soldier who um, participated in this massacre. And apparently he did not kill women and children. I don't know. I don't know how, if there's any caveats to participating in a massacre. Um, and in this massacre, wounded need nearly 300 uh, Lakota Indians, including women, children, and elderly were killed. And so that's a tough hero to have. And I think that if you're trying to do a redemption arc, that's a big arc, right? And it's, it might be possible to do that successfully. I mean, obviously, a number of judges and people who read this book felt that it worked, that she was able to successfully redeem this, this hero. And a number of people felt like it didn't work. And a number of people who didn't read the book just felt like the premise in and of itself was prob a problem and that the story never should have been told. I read a couple of blog posts by people um, saying that not only is the premise the issue that the author did not did not deal with the issue of indigenous people and the murder of them in a compassionate enough way. People also had a problem with the fact that the hero, even as he's upset by the way that this turned out, that it became a massacre of women and children, um, didn't think that the the initial problem with holding these people at gunpoint and removing their weapons was wrong. Like, if he was redeemed on some things, he wasn't redeemed on all of the bad things that he had done and thought and uh, participated in, I guess. There's no acknowledgement that... Um, even the goal without the the massacre, the, the initial goal of this situation was wrong, displacing the Native Americans. So there's a lot of criticism there. People compare it to the Nazi romances, and there's a history of 
Nazi romances being included in the awards? Did one win? I can't remember all of the situations. I don't know. And so it's brought another, a lot of negative attention to RWA again, and more people resigning and people criticizing the board and the awards and all of that. So this is August. My uh, membership is up for renewal. I wanted to let it lapse last year, but I had made a commitment to my local chapter. And I felt that it, for me, it was important for me to honor the commitment that I made to my local chapter and uh, continue my membership. So I did that. The local chapter appointments are on a calendar year basis. And so I, my intention has always been to let my membership in RWA lapse in August and not because of the board. Um, you know, the, the most recent board that's there, it's very diverse. You know, after this incident happened, there was a, an emergency town hall meeting and I watched the replay of it and it was a Zoom meeting. So there were 13 people on the Zoom meeting. Several people didn't have their cameras on, but the people who were visible were five black women. Um, the executive director of RWA is black. There are at least four black women on the board, like I said, that I could see. I don't know about the other ones. I know some of them and I respect them and I think that they are doing great work. And, and I think the criticism against them personally that apparently they've gotten, you know, judging by what they were saying in this meeting is not fair. You know, like listening to how things work, I understand their perspective. This, this book that made it through the rounds of judging, they had, you know, set up rules in, in place to, to flag them if books were a problem. The judges are supposed to email them if they think, if they see a book in the, in the running for this contest, that is a problem. And they did not receive any emails. So everyone who apparently judged this book did not see a reason to email the board that it was a problem, which in and of itself is a problem. But at that point, it's outside of the board's hands because they didn't know about it. And they can't just respond to people on social media because apparently there were people on social media when this book was announced as a, a finalist who were, who were raising flags, but none of the judges did. So I understand their perspective. Um, because of the outcry, they actually eventually rescinded the award. And, and the point that I thought that was very important that was made at the um, the emergency meeting that they had was that there are a lot of calls for this organization to just go away. Like it can't be fixed. It should be thrown away. It's trash. Um, a lot of people who have left are saying that. I've seen that on social media that, you know, this is just another indication that it can't be fixed and it needs to go away and be destroyed. And their point was the destruction of RWA would leave a vacuum that there's nothing there currently to fill. And that vacuum would negatively affect marginalized authors, black authors, other authors of color, LGBTQ, um, who would not have the benefits that the organization provides in terms of advocacy and education and all of the other things that they're trying to do. And the people who have stepped up to the board and are on it now, especially the Black women and the other marginalized authors who are on the board who are trying to save this organization for people like us who need it potentially more than anyone else. And so the calls for the destruction and the ending of RWA, especially when they come from people who are perhaps former members who have benefited for many years from the organization, even when it 
at the height of its racism, you know, even if they were not racist themselves, they benefited from this organization to now call for its destruction is disingenuous at best. And I, I think that's a very valid point. You know, I'm not going to, I have no desire to be on the board, but I'm not going to sit up here and criticize the board, the people who stepped up um, and blame them in some way for something that doesn't appear to be their fault at all. I've not gone on the message boards. The message boards are a nightmare. <laughs> I don't go on them. And it sort of did put into question, uh, and my reasons, for, my reasons for leaving don't have anything to do with this. It has more to do with just the drama and my belief that RWA, uh, it, the problems are more of a staff problem. And as long as the staff is there, and the last time I checked, many of the, the staff members who were there during the, 2019 debacle were still there. They, the leadership has changed, but the worker bees are still there. And from what I know, that is a problem. And that is something that has not changed. And so that was quite at the core of my not wanting to renew. And it does give me pause. Um, but I also know I'm not in a position to be able to volunteer to be on the board or in a, you know, large leadership position locally or nationally. And so I will withhold my criticism until that point in time in which I would be able to do that, you know. Um, and I agree. I think an organization like this is needed for romance writers. I think a vacuum in this area would be detrimental to a lot of authors. And I think that the continued drama is exhausting. You know, there have been other resignations. There have been just paying the least amount of attention possible. <laughs> I have noticed these things. Um, but I, I also really respect the people who are stepping up to the plate. And I don't expect them to do it perfectly. And I don't expect them to be able to fix overnight what's been brewing, uh, what's been kind of rotting for 30, 40 years. So yeah, I, they're not going to be able to um, to win with everyone. There's going to be criticism on all sides. There's people who are mad that the award was rescinded because they saw nothing wrong with it. And, and they feel like the board gave in to cancel culture or whatever. Um, there's people obviously on the other side who are mad that this book was ever nominated. And that's not something that I, don't, I think is in the board's control. I mean, it's the members and the members who were trained. They're like, after the, the DEI training, how could they still do this? And things are far deeper than that and, and far more complicated than that. And yeah, I don't think that I want to be in an organization where, with such polarities, you know, where, um, but how is it possible not to be? You know, I was thinking, you know, the people who think this book is perfectly fine, mm, the people who are mad at the board for something they couldn't control and have no compassion and expect everyone to be perfect, that's not logical either. And I don't particularly agree with either way. So, but you're in an organization with people, so there's going to be a multitude of opinions. And the, the question is, how do you solve these conflicts? And what do you stand for? And these are really difficult times for those kind of questions. So I don't know. But I also know that as much as I, um, as important as RWA has been to my development, my professional development, personal relationships, education, you know, my career, that's why I've 
been a member as long as I have and been active in my local chapter. You know, I got a service award for my local chapter um, because I do. I try to mentor and give back and teach and help people and do whatever I can because I got so much out of it. And for that to go away, and it feels like the organization is on the brink of complete collapse. And that's sad. And maybe it's good. I mean, maybe it needs to collapse, you know. I do hesitate to say that because I understand the position of the the women on the board who are like collapsing now when we're when we are just starting to get benefit from it, when we're trying to change the entrenched problems with it and we're just at the beginning of that change for it to collapse now is not right. Not an easy answer. Um, everyone has to do what's right for them. And people left for personal reasons. Uh, and I guess it's just, it's just going to be that. Like, I let my membership lapse this month. I have until the end of the month to decide and probably a grace, a grace month after that. But as of now, I don't see myself renewing. And it's really not because of the actions of the current board or this current kerfluffle. Like I said, it's just partially exhaustion. Partially, I just need to take a few things off my plate and focus. Um, and maybe there will be something that, that fills the void. But it's hard to imagine what that would look like and who would be in it and how it would run and how it would be better, you know. So that is it for me for this week. Uh, my goals for this coming week, I really do want to get an outline at the end of the week. I really need to have an outline by the end of this week and be writing next week. And I think it's possible. Um, I do. But we'll see, and I will let you know. <laughs> I will keep you posted. <laughs> and I'll talk to you next week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. I would appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.